you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by Castrol Edge. Daniel Jeremiah, joined by my partner, Bucky Brooks. And, Bucky, we are officially in draft season. No combine this year, but the pro days are underway, and we have a lot to get to on today's show. Yeah, we have a lot to get to because it's the first official week of pro days. We're seeing guys run. Uh, get some measurables and it's important because without a combine and limited access to the players these measurements and metrics really really matter no doubt uh, we're going to have uh, the Clemson Pro Day some updated information on that our evaluation of some of their top players coming up here in just a second but I do want you to stick around for later on in the show because what we've been doing with Pro on Prospect where we take somebody that's at the professional level a player that's been compared to a current draft prospect and we get a chance to have him evaluate the college players. So we're going to do that with J.K. Dobbins. We won't tell you uh, what running back he's going to be evaluating. We're also going to take the Jets into our Move the Sticks body shop and see if we can't try and fix them uh, with some ideas with free agency as well as the draft. So be on the lookout for that a little bit later on in the show. But let's kick things off here first. Uh, big pro day. 
And that takes place at Clemson, Buck, where we have some real interesting players, really highlighted, I would say, by Travis Etienne, who's, uh, in my opinion, he's the top running back. I believe you have him as, a, as the number two running back in this draft class, but a pretty special football player. Yeah, he's a very, very special football player. And look, he didn't disappoint. He comes in uh, weighing 215 pounds, runs reported times in the 440 range. Uh, you get a chance to see him run around and catch the ball, make some great catches, displaying his hands. And so it really comes down to now when you check off the boxes for him, where's a great fit for him? Because he certainly is an every down running back. He's one of those new school running backs that can play in any system. It's really just a matter of when will he hear his name uh, and when will the tag come off the board. Yeah, I talked to a scout that was there, and he said on his watch he had him at 4-4-1 and at 4-4-3, which is plenty fast. Uh, he did put on some weight. He's 215 pounds. And, and talking to some mm -hmm. folks that had visited with him the other day, he had got up to like 218, 219 in training. I think he really wanted to add some bulk. Uh, for context, he played around 208, 209, 210 uh, in that range. So I think adding some of that bulk, uh, probably is what produced that low 4-4 time. Everything that you heard about him previously was he would run in the low 4-3s, and you see that speed on tape. Uh, it translates. And so when I'm trying to figure out who does this guy remind me of when I'm studying him, I go back to Jamal Charles when he was coming out of Texas. I see a lot of the same things. Just when the foot is in the ground and he gets upfield, uh, there's a special burst there, and there's like some sneaky strength as well. You see guys bounce off him once he gets out in the open field. Yeah, I think the Jamal comparison is a very valid one. Uh, running style, very similar, one-cut runners. But then the way that I envision Etienne being utilized in the passing game, screens, swings, things that allow him to touch the ball in space where he has a little more room to dazzle and create. Jamal Charles made a living at that as a Pro Bowl runner. I think Travis Etienne can certainly follow in those footsteps. All right, let's, uh, let's get on to some of these other Clemson players. They've got a couple intriguing wideouts here. When you look at Amari Rodgers and Cornell Powell, the, the times, again, from a scout that was at the workout, Amari Rodgers was 4-5-4, 4-5-0, Cornell Powell 4-5-4, 4-5-3. But we're seeing Amari Rodgers here on the screen, Buck, not, not just lined up in the slot or outside at this pro day. You see him actually lined up and get some running back reps. Yeah, I think what has happened with Amari Rodgers, when you look at him physically, he is built like a running back, kind of compacted, uh, 212 pounds is huge for a slot receiver. And then you put him in the workout and you put him at running back, you can begin to talk yourself into the possibility of him being not quite as dynamic as an Antonio Gibson, but being one of those players that you utilize in a utility role. Maybe he's a slot, maybe he's a third down back out of the backfield catching passes, but he certainly is a weapon. And I think what scouts are trying to do is give him the best opportunity to get on the field so the offense coordinator can see with his imagination. You know what? Amari Rodgers could be a very, very valuable player for us. Yeah, when you watch him at Clemson, you see the quick hitters. Uh, you'll see him work in the seam. He's a really, really tough kid. We talk about him being built like a running back. Also get him the ball on some jet sweeps. So to be able to line him up in one, one snap in the slot, hit him with the jet sweep, you can line him up in the backfield and run routes with him out of the backfield. Um, to me, it gives you a lot, of, uh, a lot of variety of what you can do with his skill set. Also can help you return some kicks if you need that as well. Uh, how about Cornell Powell and what you saw from him? I mentioned the times, 4-5-4, 4-5-3. What you think of him as a player? Well, one, I think he's a body beautiful athlete. Like you see him, he is big, broad shoulders. Uh, you like to think that he would be able to do the dirty work. Really came into his own this year, more of a chain mover, has some ability. You talk about those times in the four or five range, that's about how he played on tape. I think he's another big bodied wide 
wide receiver that you throw into the mix. Maybe he's your third or fourth receiver who also gives you uh, some contributions on special teams. Well, you mentioned special teams. He did it at Clemson. Now, this is somebody who had to wait his turn behind a long list of, of quality wide receivers they've had there. Dabo Sweeney's done a wonderful job of recruiting that position. But I've seen him. You see him as a gunner on punt where he's outstanding. That toughness translates to special teams, and you don't have to wonder about it. You can actually see him do that on the tape. He's a little bit tight. I think you can see that through some of the workouts as well, Buck. I think he's going to end up going on day three. Uh, but I'm with you. I think you try and find a role, third, fourth receiver, and he's going to have value on fourth downs because of his ability to cover kicks. So uh, it's going to be an interesting class there. I would add Jackson Carmen. Uh, the offensive tackle from Clemson did not work out. He had back surgery right after the season. So uh, we'll see how that impacts him as he goes to the draft process. Most likely still a day two pick uh, there coming out of Clemson. Really one of the few really good offensive linemen Clemson has produced. It's been the one hole uh, in their program. All right, let's, get, let's keep the receiver talk going here, Buck. I, there's so many wideouts in this draft class, as we saw last year, really the last couple years. Again, we have it this year. I have 19 receivers that I have, you know, top three round grades on. So I figured let's go day one, day two, day three, and just highlight maybe not the best guy, but, but somebody that you really, really have an affinity for and you'd stand on the table for. You ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's start, uh, let's start day one. Give me a day one receiver that you could fight for in the room. Well, I'm going to give you a guy who's a borderline day one receiver, and I'm going to say Terrace Marshall from LSU. And the reason why Terrace Marshall, to me, is intriguing, this year had to step in and really occupy the lead role. Jamar Chase isn't there. Obviously, Justin Jefferson had moved on to the National Football League, and he responds with a nice year, over 700 receiving yards, has 10 touchdowns, has 23 touchdowns in his career. So when you think about guys who can put the ball in the paint, who can make plays down in the red zone, Terrace Marshall is one of those guys to be uh, in consideration. Yeah, I'm anxious to see what he runs because they tell you he's going to run fast. And you see him as he's kind of gliding it out. He, it's kind of that sneaky speed because he's so tall and so long. Uh, but he does cover a lot of ground and can play above the rim. He's a, he's a really intriguing guy. Uh, I'm going to go to a guy I have as the, the number two wide receiver in the class. That's Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Um, I, I think, Buck, if he had played the whole season, right, he, he has the four mm -hmm. games and has an ankle injury, ended up coming back in the championship game, was hobbled, wasn't really the same guy. Well, this is the most explosive, the most dynamic receiver in college football. I mean, big-time speed. Uh, the GPS numbers, when you talk to teams, he was at the top of the list in terms of the top speed he was able to hit. And I don't think you really have to sacrifice the route running. I thought you saw some more polish with him this year. Uh, the hands are good, not great, but he can do a lot of damage just touching the ball three or four times in a football game. Yeah, I mean, he has zero to 60 acceleration that really stands out on tape. His ability to make things happen in the open field is exactly what you look for. It's one of the reasons why I believe he is the most electrifying playmaker in the draft at that position. Yeah, Alabama's had a lot of great receivers over the last couple of years. I think he's right at the top of the list. Um, also, the return value as well, we should add. Uh, okay, let's get to day two. Rounds two and three, Buck, who do you like? Man, I got a crush on Ole Miss's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore might be the best inside receiver that we've seen. Part of it is due to his patience, his crafty route run ability, and he, he has the ability to create yak. Yards after catch does a great job of making things happen. And when Lane Kiffin had the opportunity to feature him, man, he got him the ball everywhere on the field. I think this is a terrific playmaker. I think a creative offensive coordinator could have fun di di diagramming plays for Elijah Moore. 
Yeah, a little bit undersized, but I, I'm with you. If you didn't say him, I would have because I would stand on the table for him. He tore up everybody uh, in the SEC. I love the toughness that he brings, lining him up in the backfield, do a lot of different things with him. I, I'm going to go to Louisville, and I'm going to go to, speaking of small receivers, I'm going to go even smaller. Uh, that's Tutu Atwell, who I think probably the sweet spot would be the third round, most likely mm-hmm. for him. We'll see what he weighs. I mean, there's some reports he, he might, you know, right at 160 pounds. But this dude is lightning in a bottle, and he can really run routes and separate as well. He's got toughness. Um, you look at Hollywood Brown, I think that's probably a good comp for him. As somebody that has that juice to get over the top. And talking with Scott Satterfield, their head coach on the Movie Six podcast, he said he's more refined and more polished than T.Y. Hilton, who he coached at FIU coming out. So that's a, that's a pretty good company to keep. Yeah, that's really good company to keep. And we've seen some of these smaller receivers really explode. You talk about Marquise Brown. I'll talk about John Brown, who was most recently with the Buffalo Bills. They're guys that can make plays. And so you certainly want to have someone who has some juice in the wide receiver court. All right, let's get one day three here. Uh, Who do you like? Kay Johnson. Kay Johnson from South Dakota State is someone who is really intriguing. Didn't play this year, but when you saw him down at the Senior Bowl, you like the route running ability. When you go back and study to say, very productive playmaker, natural hands, has some return ability. When you're on day three and you're looking for someone who can come in and maybe join the wide receiver core, you would like someone with return skills, someone who can help you maybe as a slot or fourth receiver. Kay Johnson has all of those abilities. And it gave me a little bit of a Jamison Crowder vibe when I watched him. I, I like him as a day three option. I'm going to go to Western Michigan go and, and go Dwayne Eskridge. Um, you talk about big time speed. It shows up on tape. The separation he's able to generate vertical down the field. You see him here doing it against Michigan Wolverines. Also, Buck, a former corner who is a phenomenal special teams player. I'm talking huge hits as a gunner covering punts. So he's going to have a chance to help you once he gets to uh, uh, special teams, get the fourth down. He's going to have an impact. That's what you're looking for there on day three. So we've laid it out here. These are just six wide receivers we like day one, day two, day three. Trust me, there are plenty more studs in this wide receiver class. You're going to see values up and down the draft board here. If you're a team and you need to get better at the wide receiver position, uh, trust me, you're going to love this draft class. That was just a little taste of what's to come once we get to draft day. Now it's time for Be Prepared, presented by Castrol Edge. And let's take a look at Bucky's top five defensive tackles in the upcoming NFL draft. See, Jay Tufele, he opted out from USC. Very, very athletic defensive tackle for the Trojans. The three-time state wrestling champ, Oso Digazuli, across town at UCLA. Davion Nixon and Christian Barmore, very athletic. But at the very top of that list, is Levi Onzerike, the very talented defensive tackle from the University of Washington. And Bucky had a chance to catch up with the top player on his defensive tackle board. Haskins is going to be finally sacked for the first time back to the 20 by Onzerike. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. What about you? Everything is great. Can't complain. We've been watching you for a long time and really excited about your potential. Let's just let's just talk about the UW tradition and the stuff that you guys have going on in terms of producing defensive players. What's up in the ward in Seattle where you guys are able to produce so many top players? I think it's just tradition. I mean, we're, we're just dogs at the end of the day from guys like Azeem Victor to Keyshawn to even dogs before that. They kind of set the tone for us and for me, just the mindset they have at practice, the tenacity they have, they have and like just the dog they live with and the dog that's in them. We kind of took that and we just passed that down with every generation of Husky. You know, it's funny because we've talked to your coach, uh, your former coach, Chris Peterson, a bunch. 
And we've talked to him about the culture and OKGs, our kind of guys. When you think about Coach Peterson, describe the culture that you guys were involved in at UW. Oh, we had a great culture there. I mean, on one side, it was it was all football. It was guys wanting to be dogs, get better at football. But, you know, there was another aspect of it. We called it built for life, you know, learning how to be better men, learning how to be great husbands, learning how to be men who take care of their kids, men who do their moral responsibilities and do right in the world. So there was two parts. So it was always, it was football. And then Coach Pete emphasized being great after football, having a plan for life after football. Yeah, he's one of the great leaders that I've been around. And, you know, his uh, retirement was a bit of a surprise, but you were also there with Jimmy Lake, and Jimmy Lake was the D coordinator. He's now been the head coach. Tell me a little bit about Jimmy Lake. Yeah, Jimmy Lake, we love Jimmy Lake. He He's just energy. Dude got energy, smart as hell. That's what we know. I mean, he's a real leader. I love, I love Coach Lake from the jump, from when he was our DC, when he was just our DB coach, and then to when he's our head coach. So I always like Jimmy Lake. You know, so you had a tough choice to make this season in terms of the pandemic, COVID-19. You elected to opt out. How do you get better at playing football without playing in the fall? <laughs> uh, you watch a lot of film and you do a lot of stuff on there. You know, you, you go get your bags and you do bag work. You go get your, you have a, maybe a coach come out and you work with him. So it's, it's, it's film and just getting that work in on air, trying to keep your body and doing football movements. You know, so you got a chance to put the pads back on for a little bit at the mm-hmm. Senior Bowl. You got a chance to get in in one-on-ones and team and, and that stuff. What was that like? How, how did you feel uh, shaking the rust off being back on the field? I felt good. I felt explosive. I felt like I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. So it felt real good. You know, it's funny. It's funny going back and before you practice on Tuesday, I was watching the tape and being able to watch you move. Is, you know, the thing that everyone covets in the National Football League is it interior defensive tackle that can rush the passer. Mm-hmm. When you think about your game, what are the strengths of your game? Yeah, I think the strength is my get-off, my hands, and my pass rush. I think that's the three main aspects that I like to focus on and three main aspects I do good in. You know, in thinking about that, who are some of the guys that you pattern your game after, that you look at on Sundays, that you're like, man, I, I think I can add a little piece of their game to mine? Yeah, I generally watch, like, Gerald McCoy or Chris Jones. Then if I want to put some some sweep into my toolbox, I watch Aaron Donald and work on <laughs> work on stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not that's not bad. The Chris Jones thing is fascinating to me because what is it about Chris Jones that you really like, or what is it that you're studying when you when for you him, watch him? Yeah, for him, I, I just love his hand placements. I love how he does his pass rush, and you know, it kind of starts off with his hands and his shock. For Gerald McCoy, I think it's more of his get off and how that helps him in his pass rush. So I kind of go back and forth on those guys. Okay, so we're going to go all the way back to high school. Uh, coming from the Dallas area, you played at Allen High School with Kyler Murray. You guys won 57 games in a row in three state titles. Um, what is that like? Like, when you play for a winner like that, what, what kind of things do you learn when you win like that all the time? When you win like that, I mean, you really learn how to win. Like, you, like we didn't just win because we won. We we operated like a college. Allen High School, like 
football practice wasn't a joke. We went out there, we did our drills, everything was tempoed. We jogged everywhere. I mean, we were busting ass everywhere. So it's like the real deals. That's why the college, high school to college trans, transition wasn't too big. Like Allen, the Allen coaches did a good job operating it like it was college. So we weren't surprised by the wins at all. We, <laughs> we expected them, we worked for them. You know, it's funny because having spent time in Texas, having worked with high school athletes in Texas, there there's some people that believe that Kyler Murray might have been the best high school player that ever played in the state of Texas. Having been his teammate, what was he like as a high school player? <laughs> he was real cool, real chi- real chill dude, and like to himself, but real open to talk to everybody. Real cool guy. I mean, we love Kyler. A lot of confidence, a lot of swag to him. So cool guy for sure. Well, I, I can't imagine because I see him on, on NFL games on Sunday running mm-hmm. around and he's running past everybody. So in like a high school game, what what does that look like? What is the speed like on the high school level? Oh, uh, I don't think dudes could touch him. <laughs> I, I, like we would watch him play against people and he's just burning everybody. So it's like, I just feel bad for teams. Like that's what you got to deal with. Like team, teams came up to play us and you know, the corners, every their linebackers were probably thinking like, Probably not going to get to this guy, but I got to contain him, contain him or do something. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that we like to do with every player, we like to have you guys dig into the memory bank mm-hmm. and tell us what is the greatest play that you ever participated in? The greatest play I ever participated in? Your greatest play. College or high school? Give us both. Okay. In high school, I think, uh, can't, I can't remember what team I was facing. I think it was a Florida team, but... Uh, I blocked a field goal and uh, I blocked it. My friend tried to grab the ball, but it juggled in the air. So I caught it and ran for, I don't know if they considered that a touchdown or whatever. It was only like two points, but I was burning everybody. (laughs) I feel like I was running a 4-3 out there. (laughs) Okay, so in college, what's the greatest play that you you produced? I think it was, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2018, but it was versus... uh, Washington State, and it was a snowy game. I remember I defeated, uh, I think I went to the right. I blew through, blew past the guard and the tackle. It was like, I literally like split him in half and I hit the quarterback. I think it was Gardner Minshew. I hit him, he threw the ball. It was wobbly, BBK, Ben McCurvin, who's on the Seahawks, picked it off, so that felt good. And it just felt good to do it in the snow. I just want to lay there, <laughs> make some snow angels or something. <laughs> that's that's crazy. So um, the scouting process is all different now. COVID, the pandemic has eliminated the combine. So all you have is your, your pro day and those things. So how do you get ready to show scouts that, hey, man, you're the top interior defender in the class? I'm at Exos in San Diego. So just preparing for when I'm on the pro day, I got to just be on point. got to be fast. got to be quick and all that. So just preparation is what it is. We certainly will be all eyes on you because you're one of the top guys that we've seen. So best of luck to you going forward. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. That's an impressive guy there, Buck. I mean, he's a fun player to watch on tape. I wish we would have seen him throughout that senior bowl. Unfortunately, he got nicked up early in the week. But again, a very talented player. Probably comes off the board late one, early two. Yeah, it comes off the board really, really early because he's talented. We we saw at the Senior Bowl, we got glimpses of his ability to penetrate uh, quickly off the line of scrimmage. Outstanding athlete, very good with his hand skills. I think he has an opportunity to be a great pro. Yeah, so several good Washington defenders in this year's draft class. Can't wait to see where they all land. Well, that was Be Prepared, presented by Castro Ledge.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Edge, and welcome back into the body shop. Last week, we took the Jacksonville Jaguars into the body shop, and we tried to get that car fixed, Buck. We still have some work to do there. Uh, another <laughs> car that needs a lot of work is the car that is the New York Jets, Buck. So what do you say we take the Jets inside the body shop today and start with the little tinkering they've already done? They've, uh, they announced they put the franchise tag on Marcus May, their safety. Hey, Marcus May played like a monster for them last year, stepped in for Jamal Adams, took over the leadership responsibilities, but also the playmaking responsibilities to bring him back on the franchise tag. It gives you a playmaker and a leader in the back end. They needed to retain his services. They did a good job of them by keeping him. Yeah, a good football player. They can't afford to be losing many of those. Uh, this is a huge offseason for the Jets. And let's jump into it here. Let's start off here with our next-gen stats powered by Amazon Web Services. I think, look, the elephant in the room, you've got to figure out the quarterback position. That's the decision they have. When you look at Sam Darnold last year, and you see the numbers here on the bottom of the screen, Buck, it, it, look, he was the lowest-rated passer in National Football League. He also had some struggles even when he was kept clean inside the pocket. So, it's a tough decision for them. Do you try and incorporate Sam with the with the new coaching staff and think he can be a fit there, or do you try and make a move here? So a big decision to be made here with the number two pick. Yeah, big decision to be made, but DJ, it's less about Sam Donner and more about the blueprint to go to the Super Bowl. Eight quarterbacks in the last 10 Super Bowls have been on original rookie contracts. I think you have to make the move and go in the draft, see if you can find your franchise guy. Yeah, we talked about the draft being the engine here. So that's the first thing we're going to do here in the body shops, fix the engine. You mentioned the money. Let me lay that out for you. Sam Darnold is going to make around 4.8 this year. So let's round that up to five. He would get 20 million the following year on a fifth year option, around 30 million if you wanted to franchise him after that. So that's three years, 18.3 million. The guy you're looking at right here, Zach Wilson, who we have them taking over four years before he gets to his fifth year option, you're talking about 8.7 average per year. So you take Zach Wilson, you free up $10 million, and uh, you can go do some other shopping as well. But this guy fits beautifully into this offense. He absolutely does fit into this offense. And this offense is one that makes the game very easy for the quarterback. Zach Wilson not only is a talented thrower, but he's athletic enough to threaten you on the perimeter. When you think about the play passes, the stretch bootleg action that are really key components to this offense, I would expect Zach Wilson to succeed in this offense if given the opportunity. Yeah, you make some wild plays. And this is where let's start having some fun here. Let's go ideal offseason because I think there's a chance. When you look at teams picking 8, 9, and 12, you look at Carolina, you look at Denver, you look at San Francisco. I think all three of those teams could be in on Sam Darnold. So if you're the Jets, you try and auction off Sam Darnold at this point in time, you're not going to get one of those picks in the first round straight up for Sam Darnold. That's not happening. But I do think it's reasonable. You could take your pick at the top of the second round, package it with Sam Darnold, and potentially get up to 12, 9, or maybe even 8. So let, let's shoot for it here. Let, let's make that trade. Sam Darnold, pick 34, and that goes to the Denver Broncos for pick number 9. Uh, now the Jets are sitting here, sitting pretty buck. They've got two top 10 picks, and now they can address the offensive line. Yeah, and the way you want to address the offensive line is you want to put a right tackle opposite of Makai Becton. So what about Rashawn Slater from Northwestern? He's a guy that can play anywhere on this offensive line, but he could be a premier right tackle. You put him opposite Makai Becton, you have the edges protected, but you also have the ability to push people off the ball. You want to be able to run the football. You now have a fortress in front of your quarterback, you've really made a lot of improvements by simply making a good pick to get one of the best, if not the best, edge block in the draft. 
I wouldn't hate it if they lined him up right next to Mekhi Becton either at left guard, Buck. And you can be a left-handed run team there with those two guys playing next to each other. It would be a lot of fun. Uh, they still have pick number 23. Uh, that's the one they got from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is a team, Buck, that has needs all over the defense, edge rusher, and at the corner position. Yeah, look, they, they need a big-time corner to play in the division where they're playing and where you're beginning to see quarterback play pop up. Josh Allen, you would like to think that Tua Tungabailoa may emerge in year two. So let's get somebody that can do it. J.C. Horn from South Carolina would be a nice pick. Dynamic athlete, playmaker, tough, physical, does a great job of getting his hands on the ball. He could come in, and you would like to think day one, he steps into the lineup and adds some sauce and sizzle to this defense. Yeah, look, we'll see if he can get there to pick 23. Uh, again, this is our optimistic view of fixing uh, the vehicle that is the New York Jets. Uh, let's get to some add-ons here. We talk about fixing the engine with the draft. The add-ons uh, come via free agency. This team has a lot of money to spend. They kind of took their medicine last year to free themselves up this year. And we look out at some of the positions of need. We still need an edge rusher. Uh, we still need to complement uh, this receiving core. They got some good pieces there, but need some more as well. What do you think here in free agency? Well, I think we have to go both ways. I think offensively, it's about making sure that you have one of those playmakers because the staff coming over from San Francisco, they understand the value of a wingback. How about Curtis Samuel coming over from the Carolina Panthers? Terrific playmaker, had over 1,000 scrimmage yards. You can use him a variety of different ways, much like the Niners were able to use Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Curtis Samuel is certainly in that area. And then you've talked about an edge rusher, maybe Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree, even though he's coming off that ACL, he gives you a dynamic athlete off the edge. He's coming to his own as a pass rusher over the last couple of years helps the Jets because they have to find somebody who can get after the passer. Yeah, they've got to address that pass rusher. Whether they do that with their draft picks or in free agency, that has to be accomplished in this offseason. The next thing we want to do, Buck, we want to upgrade something here. And I think maybe we can even do it with the guy you just talked about there in Curtis Samuel. We've got to upgrade the run game. Um, and when you look back at this next-gen stat uh, from last year, Frank Gore, when you look at the yards over-expected, so the yards you're expected to get, how much more do you get? He was minus 110 yards, which was the worst in the league last year. So, we, we look, he is a Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. They need some youth. They need some fresh legs back there. Uh, and I, I'm not so sure, Curtis Samuel, you couldn't throw him back there and he'd get you 1,000 a, a yards back there as a running back. Yeah, he, he absolutely would be able to contribute to be able to add to the run game. But how about looking at what they already have in LaMichael Piran? LaMichael Piran last year, he had about 250, 260 yards, only averaged 3.6 per carry. But what we know about this run game that Rob Asala and his staff is bringing over, it is one that really can create and elevate the players that are one-cut runners. P. Ryan is a one-cut runner who would certainly excel in a scheme like this. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw last year. Let's give him some more opportunities. I like that. Uh, all right, let's boost something up. We, we, we look at what we already have. We want to boost it up. You talked about P. Ryan. Man, I look at Quinnen Williams and the way he came on at the end of the year last year, and then I look at Robert Sala and that scheme coming over where they are going to let these dudes attack and get upfield. Man, I think you're going to see a huge breakout year here from Quinnen Williams coming off a solid year last year. Yeah, I mean, I think last year was more of a breakout year. We saw the light really come on the last half of the season, made a ton of plays, made impact plays at the line of scrimmage. Well, now you put him in a scheme that is really – tailored to his talents, meaning he can just play. He can come up the field, play aggressively, utilize his hands, his combination of athleticism and power to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The Jets need him to be the premier player on their front line. This scheme could help him kind of meet those goals and expectations. 
Yeah, you saw the numbers there uh, at the bottom of the screen. The pressure rate was not great here for the Jets, but man, Quinton Williams was outstanding. Seven sacks last year. I think he gets in the double digits this year. Uh, could have made a strong case for the Pro Bowl last year. I think he gets one uh, this year. He's a phenomenal talent, and I think you're going to see a big year from Quinton Williams in this scheme. All right, well, that was Next Gen Stats powered by Amazon Web Services. Flying over center, hits Teddy George. On his feet, inside the five, end zone, touchdown, Ohio State. Dobbins, stop and start. He's in. Touchdown, Buckeyes. The Ohio State University has produced the second most running backs drafted in the first two rounds. I'm about to be joined by a guy who just joined that fraternity, J.K. Dobbins, second round pick, 55th overall in last year's draft. J.K., how are you doing? Man, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm blessed. How are you doing, though? <laughs> I'm doing well. So one of the first things that I have to get to, because you guys are so terrific, I want to start out our Pro to Prospect series by having you take a look at one of your fellow Buckeyes, Trey Sermon, on some of the similar traits that you guys share. When we start out, I just want to say you're one of the more physical running backs that I've seen. Talk a little bit about your physicality. Yeah, so... You know, I try to, uh, you know, play a physical game whenever I have to, you know what I'm saying? And because um, my thing is, I don't want to be brought down by just one guy, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, at Ohio State, the coaches would preach about that. If you get brought down by one guy, then, then we probably need to sit you on a bench, you know what I'm saying? So so I try to pride myself on that, you know, running physical and gaining the extra two or three yards whenever the it should have been a, a one-yard one yard gain or something like that, so... Yeah, I pride myself on that. Work real hard in the weight room at it, you know what I'm saying? You know, put on the weights so I can run through arm tackles and things like that. Well, it's funny that you talk about physicality, and it seemed like it was a culture thing at Ohio State. Um, when we look at Trey Sermon, he also displays physicality. What have you seen from him? Oh, yeah, that that, that boy can run that ball. He real physical. You know, one guy ain't bringing him down, you know what I'm saying? He going to run the ball real hard. He's going to get the extra yards, you know what I'm saying? And you know, I like his game a lot, man. Um, I, I do think he's gonna be he's gonna be good at the next level as well. You know, all running backs, particularly elite running backs, have great vision. One of the things that you displayed at Ohio State and also your first season with the Baltimore Ravens has been your vision, your ability to see cuts. Um, what goes into having great vision as a running back? You know, I feel like a lot of it is uh, you know, studying your your scheme, your team scheme, and how the how the line is blocking everything up because. Uh, that slows the game down real, real fast for you. You know what I'm saying? And you know where everybody's going to be, how it's going to be blocked up. And then you add in the film, watch the film on the defense, and you know what I'm saying? See how linebackers going to flow, with, you know, how aggressive they play, and things like that. And I feel like, you know what I'm saying? The most important thing, though, is to know what the blocking scheme is like for that particular run play. And then that just slows it down for everything. Just knowing whatever everybody's going to do, where they're going to be. And it just slow it down, and that that makes your vision. You know, that's a God-given thing too, though. But you can work on it, and that's my main thing. I think that helps me, you know, have great vision, be able to see the hole before it's even gonna be there. Because you know what I'm saying? We got a double team going on right there. That double team may take time to get to the second level, and you know it's gonna be there though. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's how. I, that's 
That's where I get it from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's funny because college backs, it's, it's hard to find guys who have that patience and that vision. When we look at Trey Sermon, do you see a little bit of that in his game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Trey Sermon is a very mature runner. You know what I'm saying? He, he waits for his blocks. He's patient. And, you know, he going to hit that hole. He going to hit it hard. You know what I'm saying? He going to hit it with tenacity. He going to be physical coming through that hole. Ain't no, ain't no arm tackles with that guy. It's funny that you talk about uh, avoiding arm tackles, running through arm tackles. A lot of times we equate that to playing with low pad level. When you run, you have a tendency to fall forward because you play with low pad level. Did you learn that? What goes into having low pad level as a runner? Yeah, so having low pad level is just, you know, you always want to have that leverage, you know what I'm saying? And um, I never want to be stood out by a guy and, like, put back, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like that's embarrassing. So I, I try to play low. So, and you always want to deliver the hit. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like it would hurt more if you you playing high, you got hit. You know, because guys in the NFL, they all they all good. Everyone's good. You know what I'm saying? So, if you up high, you getting hit. You getting popped. And you know what I'm saying? You gonna have a whole bunch of, of your family hitting you up. Like you got hit, boy. You better get low, or your friends making fun of you. So, you don't want to be that guy. So I just I, I pride myself in staying low. You know what I'm saying? And you can, you can create more speed that way, coming out of your cut. You stay low in your cut, you're coming out. You're coming out fast. and So that's why I, I keep my pad level low. It's funny because we talk about balanced body control, low pad level. Trey Sermon certainly displays some of those things. I'm sure you saw that when you watched him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely does. You know what I'm saying? He has a good pad level, and that's why it's, it's so hard for guys to bring him down, just one guy to bring him down. And he's also a bigger body, too. So... Being a bigger body and being low, yeah, he, he gonna have that leverage and he gonna he gonna break his first tackle. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm very excited to see what he's gonna do at the next level. Well, look, man, we appreciate your insight breaking down another buck uh, on our Pro to Prospect series. We expect to see you and Trey Sermon shine at the next level next year. Let's go all the way back to you at Ohio State, and we talk about the culture. You guys have produced a ton of running backs. Um, Eddie George, Ezekiel Elliott, you, the next coming will be Trey Sermon. What is it about playing at Ohio State that allows you guys to dominate and dominate at the next level as well? Yeah, so, I mean, it, I mean, of course, the coaches, it starts there. You know, the coaches going to get us right. You know, Tony Alford does a great job of, you know, getting us right. You know, teaching us to learn blocking schemes, teaching us to stay low in your pad level. I mean, in practice as well, we hit, you know what I'm saying? So, you, you get stood up, you don't hear about it. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to hear about it because, you know, Ohio State has a lot of talent walking around, so you try to uh, compete with that. You know what I'm saying? And you want to start a spot. So coaches preach on staying low, keep your pad level low. And so that's what you got to do to, 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 to at least play, get yourself in the dough. You know what I'm saying? So that and then it's just it's tra- it's tradition. You got Archie Griffin, uh, you know what I'm saying? He two-time Heisman winner. You got Eddie George, Heisman winner. You got Zeke Elliott, fourth overall. You know what I'm saying? It's just guys like that. You, you got you to gotta uphold the standard. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's why Ohio State's so special with the running backs. Well, look, mm-hmm. man, one thing that we know, great guys come from Ohio State. We're excited to see you continue to progress with your NFL career, as well as all the other Buckeyes that are about to be the next generation of stars in the National Football League. Thanks so much for joining me on the Move the Sticks podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you.
and your evaluations and everything, and just kind of looking at what you guys, you and Dan and, and Ray and everybody want to build there. This draft, are you necessarily uh, out of the quarterback market? Oh, no, I wouldn't know. Absolutely not. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think when you're picking this high uh, that you can be out on any position. Uh, but obviously, quarterback is such an important position. And, you know, I just think it's good. It's good drafting business always to be, be to be very, very thorough on that quarterback class, regardless of what your situation is. Um, you know, always when I was with, with the Rams, always said that, you know, always regardless of which you had a quarterback and, and even especially now, you know, it's 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 the same approach. And, you know, it is a good crop coming out this year, um, but, you know, it's definitely not a position that will be ignored by us um, by any means. Well, there you go, Brad Holmes there on the Huddle and Flow podcast. Just one of the six great podcasts you can find with the NFL Media Group. Just head over to NFL.com slash podcast, Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast provider. Find all the goodness we have for you here in the podcast space. All right, Buck, let's uh, let's keep things going here with some hashtag ask MTS questions. We put that out there to you on Twitter, and, man, the questions came rolling in. Uh, so let's get to some of these here. Let's start with the first one here. This one's from Christopher Matz, and he wants to know the best fits for North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. What do you think? I think the San Francisco 49ers would be the perfect fit for Trey Lance. When I look at his game, uh, and how he was asked to play at North Dakota State, I think it allows him to be really a, a nice fit in San Francisco. He can play under center. He can do the shotgun stuff, the quarterback run game. I think Kyle Shanahan has so much volume in his playbook that he could make Trey Lance a star. I think he'd play at an all-star level under Kyle Shanahan's tutelage. Yeah, I like that fit. I don't think he goes beyond them. But, man, to me, the New England Patriots, with kind of how they're trying to win now, they're going to get guys back on defense, great defense, special teams, shorten the game, run the football. Uh, Trey Lance would seem to fit into that formula. Uh, let's get to the next question here. This one's from Tom O'Malley, and he wants to know about the Bears. Nagy and Pace must win next year. So really just getting down to it, what position or what player uh, do you think they should go for at the quarterback spot here for the Bears? I mean, it, it, it's tough because the Bears have so many different things that they need to get accomplished, and the quarterback position skews more towards them needing a veteran as opposed to a younger player. I mean, it's tough because when now, they got to figure out how to improve what they currently have. I, I don't know if any one player can help get them over the top, to be honest, DJ. Yeah, uh, to me, look, the one that makes the most sense is Russell Wilson, but I, I, I see these rumors out there. I don't see how Seattle could ever do that, Buck. W what are they going to have to play with at the quarterback position that the Bears can offer? The picks are in no man's land. They don't have an option on the team that they can ship to you, so I, I, I don't get that one. That, that rumor has, uh, has no legs to me. Yeah, to me, I, I can't figure that one out either because I don't know what they would get in all the dead cap money, dead cap charges that would go to their cap this year would do it, but I do sense there's some frustration there. But if you're the Bears, swing for the fences because you may knock it all the way out. Ah, no doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to this next one, and you'll recognize this name. It's our good buddy here, Hunter Mahan, uh, outstanding professional golfer. With no combine, do you see a shift in philosophy or trends for teams picking players this year? What do you think, Buck? Yeah, I, DJ, I think this is a situation where teams are really going to have to rely on the tape. And we can talk about the two models where you go for the player that is ready to plug and play, or do you want to take a chance on the guy that has the higher ceiling? They could be a developmental prospect. Depending on how your program is constructed, it will determine which kind of prospect you go after. But it will be different. More film than workouts. Different year. Different year this time. 
Yeah, I mean, I think of guys that you know played in the SEC and that also went to the Senior Bowl and then do the Pro Day. That, those, to me, are like the safer type guys. You've seen them play a full season, good competition, all-star game, Pro Day. It's really they've kind of had the full cycle. Then you've got other guys who didn't even have a season this year. Uh, so it's going to be unique. All right, this, uh, this next one here. Let's go Brad Parsons. Am I crazy to think that Caleb Farley may be the best non-QB prospect in the draft? Uh, Brad, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, to me, he's a, he's a top 10 player all day long, and I, I think he's the best corner in the draft. I know some uh, maybe have uh, uh, Patrick Sertan the second there, Buck, but no, I don't think that's a crazy statement. No, I don't think it's crazy because I think in, in this draft, we're trying to find who are the top defensive players. He has a lot of things to offer that you like, big size, evidently he's going to test well, can play zone, makes a ton of plays on it, and he's tough enough. So he's an outstanding prospect. All right, last one here. It's our buddy Orlovsky here, Dan Orlovsky. Who is your Orlovsky comp in this class? And for me, it's Kyle Pitts. I mean, you're talking about the best athletes, really rare. You know, everything that you want in the position. I think when you think of Kyle Pitts, you think of future Hall of Famer. And when I think of Hall of Famers, the only name that comes into my mind is Dan Orlovsky. Oh, I like that. That is a nice pick because you're talking about, you, you really touch on Dan's Everything that's about him. You see the explosive athleticism, the ability to be a dynamic playmaker on the outside. He is unique as a talent, so it makes you special. So you have to regard him as one of the best in the business. So, yeah, I think that is a very, very apt comparison when you compare Dan Orlovsky to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, look, you can't keep Kyle Pitts in a box, and you can't keep Dan Orlovsky out of the end zone. I mean, to me, there's just there's just no way to contain either <laughs> one of them. So that's why, that's why I go with that comp there uh, for our guy Orlovsky. We love you, buddy. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us today. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. would encourage you to check out NFL.com slash podcast, NFL.com slash MTS video. You can find all of our content there. And check out the rest of the NFL media podcasts as well. Uh, that's going to do it. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks for hanging with us here on Move the Sticks, presented by Castro Edge. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.